0: Okay, so now I want you to imagine a life where you couldn't hear. You want to ring up mum and say, happy birthday mum, you want to go to a job interview and you want to impress the people on the interview panel, you want to work, you want to go to your friends and talk about whatever, you want to go to the pub and enjoy yourself, what would life be like if you couldn't hear? So now I'm interviewing Pete Halsey who's the CEO of the Deafness Resource Centre here in Canberra. When did you first realise that your hearing wasn't
1: normal? My mum was deaf. She uh, never heard a lot in her life. And I inherited her condition. So f- right from the very start you had, what, little hearing or no hearing? Or no, I had some... hearing, but they didn't have a lot. I had sufficient that I was able to manage school and go to university. But it progressively got worse.
0: So when was the moment when you first realised that your hearing wasn't normal?
1: Probably when I got stuck up the front, <laughs> close to the teacher. At, at school? Yes, and had to sit there. What, you got into trouble? No, not so much in trouble, but that's where you sat. Up the front, because you had to hear the teacher. Oh, so the teacher
0: realised you, you had someone a hearing did. problem? Someone did, someone did. Somebody did, and they put you up the front of yes. the class?
1: How, how did that play with your classmates? Probably not good because you could muck around down the back but not up the front. <laughs> <laughs> you could muck around up the front.
0: So how bad would you describe your hearing loss at this oh, age like age what, I don't like four know 5? I don't know.
1: Pretty it, bad though. Yeah, it took me a long time to bother to get hearing aids. And I should have had them before but of course I didn't and there was also no money. So that neither which help getting hearing aids because my mum didn't get hearing aids until she was in her 50s because we couldn't afford them. And she was a very good lip reader. And what about yourself? Did you learn to lip read? I think people do automatically because I'm in everybody's personal space when I'm talking to them. I watch them closely. I'm in close to them. Uh, I watch their body movements, their facial movements, and that all helps me to try and understand what they're saying. Did did you find that
0: having... Poor hearing affected your daily life, other than having to sit at the front of the class that should yes, be 20 did. friends or. cause
1: problems do. at school a lot and caused problems at work because you work in an open plan in the public service and uh, normally hearing impaired people talk loud, they're trying to hear themselves, none of which goes over very well, and then you can't hear properly in meetings because the boss wants to mumble or hold his hand over his mouth. Or the table seats 40 people and the boss is trying to talk to people about what the secretary's been doing and it's an absolute waste of time trying to hear. So a feeling of being excluded? Absolutely. Missing something? Yeah. So do you know what is the cause
0: of your hearing? Congenital.
1: But so I was born with issues. Is it in the middle ear? In the... No, it's in my cochlea. It's in the cochlea? In the cochlea. Okay. So not only did I inherit an issue and it got worse I also had uh, um, heart surgery and I needed some pretty good medicines in the process of that and some of that would have damaged my hearing as well uh, so a uh, so-called ototoxic probably uh, uh, drug that yep. affected your ears yes the very important thing to remember is that my heart works very well <laughs> and whilst the hearing is bad it's a whole lot better than the other way around so uh, you, you, you count your blessings, you have to. Yes, yes,
0: you've got to look at what you can do as much as you can. So was, now you currently wearing a cochlear implant on one side and a hearing aid? On the know? other, yes. Yeah. Now tell me about how you came to have a cochlear implant.
1: Well, I had some tests with um, Professor Gibson in Sydney from the Sydney Cochlear Implant Centre many years ago. So what, what sort of age were you? Uh, early 50s All right. and at that stage cochlear implants uh, I had too much hearing in my good ear and they didn't uh, do the, hear- the cochlear implant at that point if you still had fairly useful hearing in one ear uh, since then of course in time the one ear that was good has gone down um, I have no hearing whatsoever in the cochlear implant ear mm-hmm. Uh, So I became a candidate for an implant, which has worked brilliantly for me. I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm not dressed without my cochlear implant on. And
0: you got used to it. Just just go back to the pre-cochlear days a little bit. So you went to uh, Professor Gibson Gibson
1: from the Sydney Cochlear Implant Centre, yes.
0: For an assessment. And what did they do? They tested your hearing, did they? Oh, they test your hearing. They test a
1: whole range of things. Your balance... Uh, Your ability to lip read. Yeah. um, The damage, as in a CAT scan, to see if there's any internal damage or bone growth where it shouldn't be. So that's all tested along with your balance and uh, they make a decision. So they want to know whether you're
0: likely to be a successful recipient of an implant.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what the the tests are designed to do to see whether it's going to...
1: Well, they're going to see if you've got a usable hearing Mm -hmm. nerve... And if your bone structure allows for access by the surgeon for the implant to be inserted. Wow. So all of that has to happen. Now I don't know a lot about that but there's, um, if you've had uh, scarring on the bone through perhaps um, uh, repeated um, uh, in- infections in your ear as a kid some of that can cause scarring inside and that's an issue for the surgeon to have to manage so that's not always possible. Uh, okay. Now you
0: also mentioned they tested you for balance. Yes. So of course the balance loops are part
1: of the cochlea. Is that... uh... Well it's important because the balance is what keeps us upright. Yeah, yeah. And if you've only got balance in one ear because there's damage in the other ear but you're still upright then perhaps they're a bit concerned about uh, having an implant in case that upsets the balance in the good ear.
0: Okay. but In I which imagine case
1: you wouldn't have, be upright, you'd have to be in a wheelchair then. Yes, not having your balance
0: in your ear would be a really bad thing. So they want to check that it's not going to upset the balance of your ear. Yes, knee. indeed. Ah, okay, right. So then you go into surgery.
1: Yes. And what, what was that like? Brilliant. Go in one day and come out the next. So it's pretty quick. For me, I went to the zoo. This happened in Sydney at the time uh, when the baby elephant was born. So the day I came out, we went to the Sydney zoo, checked out the baby elephant. I sat when I needed to sit, walking down the hill and drive home the next day. And this is before
0: they switched it on, I presume? Oh, oh yes. This is just after the surgery? Yep, after the yep. surgery. So they so switched it,
1: on about a week later. So it's pretty pretty straightforward surgery from your point of stra- view? From my point of view, it was very straightforward. I don't have a problem with anaesthetics, and it worked.
0: Okay. So then uh, let's roll forward a week. or And so you go to have the cochlear implant turned on for the first time, and I presume, I'm imagining you're going to a
1: clinic somewhere. Yes. Uh, what, what happened? Um... The implant has 22 electrodes, bounded electrodes in it. Yep. And they make sure that each of those electrodes, not only are they working, and that's checked in surgery, um, but they uh, check to make sure that you can, uh, that they, that, so that they set the electrode.
0: Um, the voltage isn't
1: it? Voltage, I or suppose. Current. Yeah. current at a level which is the lowest that you can still detect to the highest that is comfortable for each of those 22. Yep. Um, and then they do a range of other little bits of, of uh, adjustments and they turn it on. What, what was it like on that very first moment when you sensed something Oh, the turn on coming? is brilliant. It's a bit like um, um, New Year's Eve on Sydney Harbour. No. Your nerve that hasn't been uh, stimulated quite like this in so many years suddenly get all this stimulation from the just the noise in the room, and it shoots off like fireworks, gear going everywhere—it's magic. Was that disconcerting? No, because I knew so many people who already had a cochlear implant that talked about it, that I understood the processes that were happening. I
0: so knew what to expect,
1: but did, so it didn't the problem. sounds sound foreign, strange? Yes. Suddenly, this, like, yeah. was it—a was it crackling or what? Was no, it, it sounds was it like, a, a lot like a um, lot like a radio off station. So when you change station, you get that white noise. Like a hiss. Yes. Or a hum. So hum. you're getting, you're getting uh, stimulation, mm. but you can't interpret it. Right. Now, when you're a baby, you get the same sort of stimulation every day because you don't come out... You come out hearing, if you're, most of us are born hearing. Yeah. You come out hearing, but you don't come out understanding. So you have to work out what those stimulations mean so mum says hear the dog barking hear the dog barking hear the dog barking and just continually repeats things and over the years of your growth development from zero to five or six all the hearing pathways are are um, built in your brain yes um, a friend of mine put it very well she said you listen with your ears
0: but you hear with your brain and so you're now getting listening but you're not necessarily getting the hearing yes so you, have to, you have
1: to. Hearing is interpreting. Yes. So you get the noise, you get a sensation, but you have to interpret it. What does it mean? Yeah. How do you explain a kookaburra noise to a person who's never heard one before?
0: Oh, well, how do you explain blue to someone who is blind? Precisely. Yeah. So, okay, so now you're in the, the clinic and you've got this hissing noise, and was that about as far as you got the first day? No, the, well... That was a pretty big step. That was a two-hour right, program. A, that's a good step.
1: That was an excellent step. Um, and y- y- some people, like I did, like, you get to hear or you get to understand a particular word or a word read to you from a Dr. Seuss-type book, uh, but it sounds very funny. It's all mechanical. It uh, sounds a bit like Minnie Mouse or Donald Duck. Or, or a Dalek. Yes, any of that because it's mechanical. So it's a lot like um, Stephen Hawking, who yeah. speaks through a machine. Yeah. And um, the same thing happens with the cochlea. The interesting thing is with your brain, it's very plastic, and over f- three or four or six months, whatever it takes, uh, the artificial input from your cochlea starts to feel normal. It joins up with your hearing from your hearing aid, which is supposedly is normal. And it puts it together in the middle of your head, and you just get on with it and you forget about it. How, how long did it take for you to be able to interpret your first word? Oh, about five minutes from Janet telling it to me. Really? Oh, yeah. So it was really, really quick for you. Indeed. Some of it can be very quick, but, it's, but, it, but it's, you don't hear it normal. You hear it and you work out that the word's there, yeah. but, but it
0: will sound very, very funny. And so over time, you've become accustomed to the tone that the implant produces. Does it still sound a little strange, or are you just completely used to it now? No, not strange at all. Not
1: strange at all. You just wake up one morning and uh, put your cochlear on and your hearing aid in, and you hear in the middle of your head, so you no longer think about one ear or the other ear. It's a bit like wearing glasses. The first time you're prescribed and you put them on all you see is the rim and that's the dominant feature of your wearing glasses for a period of time yep. then one day you put them on and you forgo- your brain forgets about the rim and it looks through the lens right. and that's the same thing that happens with the cochlea Actually, i kind of having a parallel experience. At the
0: moment, I've been learning to ride a unicycle. Well, there you go. And what I'm finding now is I'm getting good enough that I start thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow while I'm riding, as opposed to just thinking, oh, shit, I'm falling
1: off. Precisely. So you're not thinking about, you no longer think about the instrument. You're pushing it to the lower parts of your brain. Yeah, it's just something to do. You just get on with it.
0: Hey, got, has it affected your sense of direction of, of where a sound is, your ability to locate. Uh, I still
1: have trouble locating sounds. Right. Lots of people don't. They are able to locate a sound. I, I have some trouble with that. So oftentimes I'll do a bit of a 360 to try and pinpoint things. And sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. What about your appreciation of music and and, and sound? Are
0: you able to get like an aesthetic appreciation of sounds? I
1: get some music. I don't get a lot. Um, If I know the song, so I grew up in a Methodist church Sunday school. So, if I hear the old hymns, I know exactly what I'm hearing. So the memory comes back, and that helps me. You're sort of replaying it
0: at the same time that you're hearing it. Oh, I'm I'm
1: sure I am. Okay. So I'm interpreting what I'm hearing because I know the song or I know the hymn and I know the words and I know how the music goes. So if you were to summarise what
0: the cochlear implant has done for you, what, what would you say? Oh, open up my life.
1: It's brilliant. I can hear my granddaughters, I can hear a clock tick, a pencil write, I can hear the mouse clicking as I type on the computer. I can hear uh, small birds in the garden, the little wrens um, in, in, in the garden bushes, um, I can hear most things. But I, I still have some problems here and there. It, it won't take me back to being 16 and fit with like some kid with brilliant hearing. That doesn't happen for me. But uh, having said that... You can function pretty oh, well function I love her and we were sitting out in the in
0: the in the room outside and you pointed to the wall and you said I can hear that clock and I turn around and I cannot hear that clock and so that that's that like the...
1: clock ticks at 15 decibels <laughs> which is very very faint um and I can hear it so I, I am extremely lucky I think that to have a cochlea to live in this day and age and to be deaf in this day and age with the advantages we have in Australia and our programs like the Sydney Cochlear Implant Centre and in Canberra, our Dr. Chapman and Dr. Mackenham uh, and the ladies at the Cochlear Place, brilliant. We are extremely lucky. So That means I can participate in family gatherings. Christmas coming up, I can be in all of that. Uh, without sitting on the corner. Well, you just have nodding. a productive occupation here as CEO of the Deafness Resource That's Centre, right. for example. So I can work, I can contribute into society, I can participate, I can agree or disagree in a meeting because I know what's happening. Now, as we speak, you're clutching a pen known
0: as the Roger Pen, so you don't necessarily have to have a cochlear implant to get
1: the benefits of technology. Just tell me briefly what this is. Roger Pen is a personal FM system, so for me Roger Pen is a a, a zoom microscope telescope for sound and it picks up, uh, if it's laid on the table, it picks up in a 360 degree and sends a message to my hearing aid and to my cochlear implant so I can hear bilaterally what's happening or if I pick it up and point it at somebody then it will zoom in automatically and I'll hear across the corner past all the other people talking someone who is speaking maybe to me hopefully and they will be the dominant voice in my ears the other speeches and noise is there but it's dampened down and it's the dominant one that I want. So the, the point of it is to give
0: you functional hearing. That's right. In, in a, especially in a group setting where are in a, yep. a, meeting in a group setting or whatever. Yes. Now we're at the Deafness Resource Centre here. Just tell me very
1: briefly what, what that is. Deafness Resource Centre, we've been here a long time. We're in Holder in the Grant Cameron Community Centre. We offer information, linkages and capacity building for people who are hearing impaired or deaf Or have disorders of the ear and their families for the ACT on uh, how to manage their hearing aids. On a Thursday, on every second Thursday in the month, we have a morning tea for people who are thinking about getting a cochlear implant and they get to meet two or three people with cochlear implants and they get to ask the sorts of questions that they don't necessarily ask the professional sector. So, Pete, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yes, I love my cochlea and my hearing aid. If you've got a hearing problem at home or at work, come and say hello. We can give you some support which might change your outlook and your social uh, setting forever. Well, as a personal endorsement,
0: you've helped me a lot with my own acquisition of a pen with uh, assistance from Job Access, the government-funded scheme, and that will now help me in my professional life. So thank you very much, Peter, and thank you to the Deafness Resource Centre.
1: Excellent. Glad
0: we could help.